as you need to raise more and more money, you realize, which we're really not taught in this business, is that it's a lot about marketing. And once you get through the friends and family, you have to have systems in place that bring in new clients all the time. You're listening to The Life & Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey everyone, Annie Dickerson here together with the fabulous Julie Lamb, the one and only. Julie, how are you today? I am doing fantastic. I was sitting outside earlier in this little area that we have in the front yard of the Airbnb and it's like has like a little fire pit. It's kind of like glamping and they have like these little half wooden pieces of wood that you can sit on tree stumps, I guess is the word I'm looking for. I don't know why that was so hard. And just sitting there, it's beautiful outside. It's probably like, I don't know, 75 degrees. And I was just looking at our latest deal that by the Mm -hmm. time this airs, we probably will be well done with our raise and done with the deal, but so much It'll have been a smashing success. Yes. Oversubscribed in just a couple hours time. It'll be, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Got to throw that out there into the universe. Right. right? That's right. I feel the same way. It's just, it's been a while since we've done a deal, not for lack of trying, but it's a tough market out there. And we've finally got not one, but coming down the pipeline for our investors. And I couldn't be more excited. And it's just so fun doing a deal and just sharing this information, the opportunity with investors. And as we talk about on this show, it's such an opportunity to change people's lives and to create a win-win. So speaking of which... Our conversation today is with Stephanie Walter. She is also a syndicator and capital raiser, and she also is an insurance agent. She's sort of like a Jane or a Jill of all trades. <laughs> she does it all. She's the CEO of Irby Wealth. She's a legacy cash flow specialist. And as I had just mentioned, she's a capital raiser and a syndicator and a real estate investor. And she talks about how she really discovered her passion for real estate and went into it much like you and I did, thinking she could do everything and quickly realized that she had a real passion for talking to investors, educating people about these opportunities, much like we do. And she sort of gravitated towards that and found a fantastic partner and has been doing deals ever since. And so in this conversation, man, we talk about all sorts of things, but mm-hmm. in particular, I want to pull out that impact piece and so much of why we do what we do is this opportunity to help others and to spread the knowledge that we've been fortunate enough to come across around how these private placement real estate syndications work, how to access them, how to invest in them. And through doing the work that we do and the work that Stephanie does, we're really able to democratize that information and help everybody to build wealth. 
Yeah, it was so cool to hear her story of how, which is very similar to our story of how she got into the business and how she discovered her partner and how she is continuing to grow and scale her business. And we got to talk about some really easy strategies. It's almost like a little secret. I kind of don't want other people to know about how easy (laughs) it can really be to raise money, right? I mean, we talked about that in the show. And I think oftentimes people are overwhelmed overwhelmed with this idea of being able to raise money. But the truth is, is that it's very simple things as we talk about in the show. I don't want to spoil it too much, but we talked a little bit about that. And yeah, it was just really cool to hear her story about how she's been able to grow and scale. And it really comes down to leveraging skill sets. And that's what you and I talk about all the time. And it's what we've been able to do still, nonetheless, it's not just about leveraging each other's skill sets, but it's about getting along too, which we've been very blessed with. But yeah, she talked about most of the time. Most, Most of the time. I know that's that big argument argument we got into this morning was no big deal, but that's Oh, don't get often. me started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really cool because she's now bringing that need or finding her value add that she brings to the table for this developer partner that they're working with that allows him or her, the developer, a win-win for themselves. And then for them, they're able to bring their investors great opportunities because they're getting deals at a discount. So I think the big takeaway is always thinking about in this world of syndication, because there's so much to do, how you can figure out what your value add is and find fill that need for somebody else and how you're able to really go fast, grow and scale by doing that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of which, these private placements, these syndications are one of the strategies that the wealthiest 1% use. And we talk about that in the show. And so, Julie and I got our start through investing passively and then figuring out how this whole world of syndication works and then getting into the active side and raising capital, just like you'll hear Stephanie does. And so for all of our listeners out there, if you're new to this whole world of syndications or you're just curious about how it works, a great place to start is to get a copy of our book. It's called Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of you. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book. And with that, hop into our conversation with Stephanie Walter. Stephanie, welcome to the show. How are you? Good. How are you guys? Fantastic. We're thrilled to have you here. Now, Stephanie, I know you were super passionate about helping people enhance their investing and wealth creation by leveraging the strategies that the wealthiest 1% use. And that's exactly what initially drew me to real estate syndications as well. I'd been investing in real estate for 10 years before I discovered this little known secret called passive investing through syndications, as I'm sure you know about. And once I did, it opened up this whole new world to me as it did for Julie as well. So, you know, that we're all about getting those secrets from the wealthiest 1% and spreading them to everybody else. So tell us a little bit about your journey to discovering some of these strategies that the wealthiest 1% use. Did you grow up with a rich uncle who taught you these strategies or how did you come to learn about these types of opportunities? 
Well, actually, my dad was an entrepreneur, and he was actually a second-generation entrepreneur. And so I grew up just seeing my dad go out and not work a nine-to-five job, just do things that he was passionate about, different businesses here and there. Definitely, he was self-taught with real estate. So he had a passion for that. I developed the passion as well. He passed away about 15 years ago. And so I had started investing in kind of single family rentals, not really knowing exactly what was going on. I mean, I got extremely lucky because I of where I invested and just went on to learn by mistakes. A lot of times when you're a landlord, you learn a lot of stuff as you go. And so great lessons. And when I got about 2016, I was like, this is good, but I would like to do this on a larger scale. And so I looked into a company, it was called RE Mentor. And it was just plenty of companies out there. But this one was basically, I tell people it was like getting a master's in commercial real estate and understanding how to underwrite deals. That's really the most important thing that I learned so that you're really financially savvy. Did my first syndication in 2018. And there was, I did that one all by myself. And right after that decided that I never wanted to do another one by myself again. (laughs) And teamed up with a partner who I admired a lot, kind of through our same circles. And he's super good at looking for deals and negotiating the deals. And I really, really liked raising the money. So that's sort of how we fit together. But I definitely learned from dealing with wealthy people, it just kind of started to become kind of interesting when I would look at their finances that they seem to do a lot of things differently then I was doing them. And they specifically, they always have their money working for them. They don't have it really sitting in a like a 401k or an IRA. They always have their money working for them. They invest in businesses. They invest in these private placements, the syndications. They don't let their money just sit. If it is just sitting, then they know how much they're making, what their money is doing for them at any time. But the biggest, I think, mind, the thing that really got me thinking was, what is my money doing at this time? How is it working for me now? And that changed a lot of stuff for me in that I repositioned a lot of my equity in my rentals to be invested in syndications. And as I told you right before, I just sold my business, my nine to five business I had for 16 years, and I can be retired now. And so I'm passionate about kind of opening people's eyes of what's possible out there. Wow. Well, there's definitely a ton to unpack there. And we're going to dig into all of that. But I can definitely relate. You know, I feel like it was 
It's like coming out of the cave, that old story where once you come out of the cave and you discover there's sunlight, there's this whole other world out there, you can't really go back in the cave, right? And I felt the same way when I discovered, you know, there's almost an entirely different rule book that the wealthiest 1% is playing by that I had no idea about because I had been taught safe, let your money sit there where it's safe, where it's safe, <laughs> it's earning some interest every year. And just every penny, just put it in there. Keep saving, keep saving. That's all I was taught, right? And same, when I started discovering, it was like one thing at a time, you know, I was pulling it out. It was like almost, you know, like a magician's, you know, when they're pulling the scarf out of the box and there's more and more and you're like, what? There's more? They're doing more stuff I can't even imagine. (laughs) And so I felt the exact same way that there were all these new rules that I never heard of and I never thought about money that way before. For this is a fascinating journey that you went on. I want to go back to one thing you said earlier mm-hmm. before we get into some of these other strategies that you're using now, as well as your company that you sold. You mentioned that the first time that you did a syndication, you realized, well, I'm never doing that by myself again. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about that experience. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, once you learn these strategies, you're just anxiously looking for that first deal that can take you into this new realm and constantly looking and looking. I was always sort of raised, like I said, with my dad being an entrepreneur, I was always done things myself. And so when I found this deal, I was like, well, of course I'll do it myself. I know I'd heard of a lot of people in this industry. They worked as teams and I was just like, no, no, I'm good. And then I understood when I got through the whole process, there's just so many different components. And honestly, my deal was more on the small side at the purchase price, I think was 1.445 million. So I only had to raise, I think, 400,000 for that. But just the underwriting and specifically finding the financing for that one was very challenging. But yeah, when I realized that, and then raising 400,000, sounds like a lot of money, but it really isn't in this space. And it didn't take me very long to realize you kind of have to figure out your lane and what you're good at, because you can't possibly be good at everything and figure out what that lane is and try to excel as much as you can. And for me, I realized pretty quickly that was capital raising. That's so much of what Julie and I, my experience has been as well, sort of trying to do the full thing and then realizing, wait a second, there's way too much stuff to do here. And same, we landed in the capital raising investor relations just because we, you know, it's so fun to talk to people about this stuff, educate people about these strategies. And so what was it that particularly drew you to the capital raising side? And then talk a little bit about how you were able to find a partner. Yeah, well, the capital raising side, I felt like there was a real need for it, for one. But secondly, and probably more importantly, is I had a really amazing mentor when I started in this industry. And I know people can't necessarily control the mentors that you get, but... 
for me, I would never be in the position I am without my mentors. And my first mentor was a lady named Jeannie Orlowski. And all she does is raise money. That's it. And with her partner, who's kind of the big face of their company. And I realized very quickly that she is the power behind the engine. If he's out there getting the deals, but if you can't fund the deals, then you're kind of lost. And so I just really like doing the work behind the scenes. And I love relationships, building relationships and telling people about this. I'm, I am very excited about it. And I've always loved being an entrepreneur, but this to me feels like work that needs to be done is very special and can change people's lives. And so that's why I'm so passionate about that part of it. And I found my my partner actually through my mentor. She said, this person is getting a lot of deals, but he just doesn't want to do anything with the money. Maybe you guys could do a deal together. And that's what we did. And we're on our fifth deal together right now. So it's worked out really well. Fantastic. It's so important, I think, when you get into a complex thing like syndications to really, like you said, know your lane, know what you're good at, what you love to do so that you can find somebody who complements that. Mm-hmm. So I know you've found a ton of success already in the world of syndications. I want to also talk about, because you weren't doing this just syndications, right? So you had this, your insurance company, right? So you had sort of multiple things as wealthy as the wealthiest one percent do. They have multiple irons in the fire at all times, right? So tell us a little bit about the insurance side of things, how that got started, and then also how you retired from that company and what you're planning to do now. Yeah, well, as I came out of college, I did, I think what most people do, I just went and got a job and was a W-2 employee and really sort of liked it and but became pretty frustrated within my first few years as I would meet with my manager and they would be like you're doing a great job and here's your two percent raise and I remember (laughs) being like going home and figuring out what that two percent raise was going to mean for the rest of my life and I was like I can't do this this is not for me and I've always been interested in insurance my uncle and my dad both did different aspects of insurance and so I sat down with my dad and was like I think this is where I want to go and he was like you should do it. And I never regretted that. I took that over. And again, that's a very relationship-based business. So you're just meeting clients almost every night of the week and building those relationships with clients so that they trust you with their insurance and built that up. And like I said, around 2016, realized that real estate is really my love. And I was ready to start planning kind of an exit strategy. Also, if you know anyone that runs a business like an actual business like that is you don't get a lot of vacation time, especially if you're an insurance agent, you kind of are the face of the business. So the last time I took a vacation was in 2006. I'm sorry, a week's vacation. And I was like, my son is seven and I want to go on spring break and fall break and do these things with him while he's little. So that was definitely the push for me to sell my business. 
That's so awesome. It's Mm -hmm. so cool that you were able to find a way out of what you were doing, because Mm -hmm. I think all too often, so many of us get trapped in this world of work and we devote our whole lives to that, whether it's your own business or something, you know, working for somebody else. And meanwhile, children are growing up and life is passing you by. So that's awesome that you were able to get out of that and discover real estate investing, which is all the more reason why what we do is so important to get the word out there to especially other women, I think, to show them that there's another way to go about building wealth and finding freedom, whether it's time freedom or financial freedom. So I love that. I wanted to go back to what we were talking about earlier about capital raising, because I know that this is kind of an elusive thing for a lot of people out there, that capital raising seems like such a daunting, overwhelming task for some people, right? Especially if it's not what they love to do. So tell us a little bit about what that process looked like for you earlier on. You said 400K wasn't that much, but for some people thinking about raising $400,000 is a lot of money. So how did you, did you start first with friends and family or did you have a business already built? How did you go out with that first deal, the one that you did on your own? And how did you go about raising that first $400,000? The first 400 was yes, friends and family. And then from there, I realized this is what I wanted to do. And so I have done basically, I'm a person that I just don't mind going and asking people for things. And I think that's a key to this. But I just kind of put the word out to my friends and friends of friends and people that were good clients of mine during when I was an insurance agent, a person who always gave me referrals. He was just the nicest person. And I said, hey, uh, this is something I'm going to be doing now. And would you have any interest in listening to the deal that I have? This is after my first deal. And he said, sure. He goes, do you mind if I invite a few of my friends? And I got there and it was a table of five of us. I was the only woman. Uh, it was four men that were very wealthy, accomplished investors that just grilled me with about a million questions. And I remembered leaving that meeting and just being like, oh my gosh, (laughs) I screwed it up. I know I did. And I just was like, well, I'm following up with everybody and sending them an email. And the one person that responded back was like, he's invested in, I think, all of our five deals. And for me, it's just getting out there and you just have to continue doing it. But as you need to raise more and more money, you realize, which we're really not taught in this business, is that it's a lot about marketing. And once you get through the friends and family, you have to have systems in place that bring in new clients all the time. We'll get back to our conversation with Stephanie in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. 
We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Stephanie Walter. Yeah, I love that. That's so funny. It's so similar to when I first started getting out there and raising money. I still remember the first person I spoke to, someone I met and hopped on a call with them. And I just was like, oh my gosh, I totally bombed that. And there's no way he's going to invest. And he ended up investing in numerous deals over Mm -hmm. the last five years with us. So that's such a funny thing. It's always interesting when you first start out, sometimes you think the people that you think will invest are the people who don't. And then the people that you think you bombed it with are the people that really believe in you and end up being lifelong investors with you. So that's so funny. But I think it's something interesting that you mentioned is that you're not afraid to go out there and ask. And I think that that is something that's so important for other women, especially to be reminded of that don't be afraid to go out there and to put yourself out there. I think all too often, especially women are shy about that. They think, Mm -hmm. oh, what do I know? Or who am I? And all these voices start coming into your mind. But when really, if you believe in what you're doing, you'll find a way to add value for other people and be able to get them across the finish line to investing in a deal. So one thing that you mentioned is that you realized, and this is true for us as well, that where we started, once you move through your immediate network, friends and family, that you really need to, if you want to be in this for the long run, that you really need to develop a marketing plan, right? And you need to think about implementing systems and funnels and things like that. And that's what Annie and I have kind of perfected as well over the last four or five years. So tell us about what that journey has looked like for you when you talk about putting in systems in place, what kind of systems? Are you posting stuff on social media? Like, talk to us about how you're able to raise, I mean, I'm not sure how much you've raised at this point, but I assume after doing five deals that you've raised millions. So tell us about what that looks like. Like, what are the systems? If anyone out there is listening and they're like, gosh, this sounds really interesting to me, I'd love to learn how to raise some money. What advice would you have for them in terms of how do I go from not having a business at all to being able to raise millions of dollars? Well, sure. Yeah. I mean, I think a good thing to think about, and there are great systems, and I believe me, you have to go a lot of wrong directions before you get into the right direction when doing this. But what I 
think is the biggest nugget for me is that when you find someone that's a giver, when you find someone that's an investor, we tend to like want to just blanket a million people and spend all of our energy going after these million people when in reality, you probably have three or four investors initially when you get started. But those three or four investors, if you're happy, if they are happy and you're doing what you say you're you're going to do, which isn't a really high bar in this industry, but it truly, I get more compliments for, oh, geez, you called me back like right away or you answered my call. I mean, people are impressed (laughs) with a lot. I think they should set the bar a bit higher. But my point is, is I believe that when you find that group, I was always taught you go an inch wide and a mile deep. And so you really just find your A people. And those are the ones that really are at the top of your list to be sending the occasional call once a month to how are you doing? And, and if you have something to promote, you let them know. But also you have to set up a management system for your contacts and everyone you meet. And I've used Active Campaign. And from there, I've set up a drip system, which I think I read a fantastic book. It's called Oversubscribed. If you not quite can't remember the author, but it's a fantastic book where it talks about how many ways you need to touch your client base, whether that be, I mean, for any industry, it doesn't have to be for capital raising, but you need to touch them with maybe with an email, with a call, with a blog that they can see that you've written, with a podcast, with a video, all of those things. Things all just solidify your relationship with them. And so that was not a sexy answer because it does take time. There isn't a miracle thing, but you just have to be consistent and keep building those relationships over time. I'm so glad you said that because I think all too often people think that there is this magic button that you can go out there and buy a course or work with a mentor or hop into the space and then suddenly millions of dollars are going to be there at your doorstep. And so I think it's really important for people to know that this is really a long game, right? It's about building those relationships. And I know for me earlier on, it was indeed a lot of what you said, the bar is really low. It was just about answering the 20 questions that were in the email that no one else wants to answer. And you take the time to answer those questions. You'll build a lifelong investor out of not only that one investor, but also out of all of their friends and family that they'll go out and share this introduction and make this relationship that they've found as well. So I love that you said that. And for us as well, having some kind of a marketing managed tool, like a CRM is the word I'm looking for, really goes out there and does the work for you sends out our we have our drip campaigns set up and really does those touch points with us we initiate them but a lot of that work along the way our investors are educated through videos and blog posts and content that we put out that we through the drip campaign that allows our investors to get to know us so i love all of that 
Now, tell us a little bit about, so you've done five deals, you found an amazing partner. I love this because I feel like, Annie, doesn't this story remind you so much of like our story, like how she got started, like trying to put the first deal together and all of this is so funny because it reminds me so much of, of our story. So you've done a couple deals now, you found this great partner. Talk to us about market selection and deal selection. What markets are you guys in? What is your approach right now, given where we're at in the current economic cycle? How are you guys approaching multifamily? Because I know if you guys are out there looking at similar size deals, especially, so would love to hear your answer on that. It's tough right now. There's a lot of people out there overpaying on deals. We've been in best and final a number of deals, and we kept getting outbid by people who are willing to overpay. And we say, okay, fine, we walk away from the deal. So we haven't done a deal for a long time. And so would love to hear what markets you guys are in and what size assets and what the business plan is right now, because ours has shifted too over the last five years. We were willing to take on a lot more risk five years ago, and the risk has slowly gone away as we've moved up to where we are today, where we're really focused on A-class stuff. So I'll stop talking, but want to hear about what markets you guys are focused on (laughs) and what your business plan is moving forward. I learned with my partner really early that he is incredibly conservative, which is fantastic because you don't actually realize and not only that but he's a wonderful operator and he i'm extremely lucky to be working with him but so we are open to a lot of different asset classes one of the first deals uh, after my first deal by myself the first one i raised for him was a retail center before covid and i had a heck of a time getting investors in a retail center that's before COVID, but the market was key. And that's what we found with all of our investments. We've invested almost exclusively in Florida. That's where my partner lives. We have one smaller investment in Waco, Texas. We have not gone out and gone for the great big, like I hear lots of people, they're doing 200 units and stuff like that. We've just kind of Biting a little bit as we go and building our business up by consistently paying our clients their distributions, their monthly distributions, and returning people over a 20% annualized return. So we'll look and look and look. We have 55 units in Waco. We've even gone smaller than that. We have 24 units in Tallahassee. We found a little bit of a strategy in finding a market and then kind of expanding within that market. So Tallahassee, we've done three deals. And now we're in Cape Coral right now, Florida, and we're in our second deal there. And We have not done 100 units yet, (laughs) but everything we've had has been under 100 units, but they are fantastic assets that have gone up a lot. But what I tell these new people is know your market, because I know plenty of people that through COVID lost their deals completely because they were invested in places where the people weren't able to work, that they weren't able to collect rent, and we never missed a distribution payment. And that's because of the policies in Florida, which kept the state largely open and a very pro-business, very pro-business philosophy there, which we all hear these things, but I think this is the first time in my investing life that I've actually seen the power of that, of really knowing your market. 
and knowing what it's going to do if there's another setback. And what asset classes are you guys focused on? Are you guys doing B or C stuff? No, we don't do C at all. So we've just closed on two properties and they're both actually A properties. And we've gotten in with a developer who he does not want any part in running the deal. He wants to just build it and then exit. And so that leaves it open for us to buy at a discount, a brand new apartment complex at a discount and just kind of everybody wins. He can move along to his next deal. We can buy at a discount and give our investors really good returns. So I love that. I want to kind of touch on that, that it sounds like one of the strategies for making these kinds of deals really work is really identifying the need that different people have and what your value add is that you bring to the table and then piecing all of those things together to really make the deal a win-win for everybody in the deal. And it's just like how you found your partner and how you realized that what you like to do and what they didn't like to do was what you like to do, which is very much how Annie and I partnered up together. And then now this developer, right, where the developer just wants to build an exit. And he probably wants to be able to move from one deal to the next without having to put it on the market and wait for months to get the highest offer. He likes a seamless transaction where he can build and exit and sell to you guys and just rinse and repeat over and over. And so you guys win because you're able to get the deals at a discount. Your investors win because they're getting these great returns on a new class A asset because you're able to get it at a discount. And so I think one big takeaway from what I'm hearing about your story is really this idea of leveraging these partnerships and your strengths and your value add that you bring to the table and really figuring out how you can fill the need for other people and what they're looking to do. And that's how you're really making this thing work. So I love that. And so what's coming down the pipeline? Do you want to do the bigger deals? Are you not focused on the bigger deals? Like what do you do? And I find it's it's interesting in this world that we're in that I'm talking the syndication world is everybody's really obsessed with doing these great big deals. But I find that I've heard that a lot of people don't know how to manage deals of that size or I feel like we're working our way up. But also I feel like we're still getting good deals in the asset type and the size of that we're looking for. Because again, my partner partners like, well, we are in best and final. We were here, but the other buyers were willing to put a hundred thousand hard. And I'm like, and we're just not willing to do that. And I think that serves us that our philosophy has been two things. One, we're going to try to under promise and over deliver, obviously, but that the money is made on the buy side, not on the sell side. And you keep those things in mind, then things are always going to work out for you and your investors. Mm -hmm. And I think it takes a little room for us to grow. I know that my focus now is different than it was when I first got in the business, which was I'm going to I just want a deal. I don't care. I just want a deal. And I still see a lot of people that come to me and talk to me about that. But I'm like, what are you going to offer to your investors? Because then they'll tell me what they have to offer to their investors. And I say, 
this is what you're going to compete with out there. And they're not thinking of the investor at the end of the day. And I'm happy to say that for my partner and I, those are, that's it is the investor and their happiness and their satisfaction is the number one thing for us. And the growth will come over time. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that front. And I think that it sounds like you guys are for sure in this for the long run. With that focus, I know that you guys will do well because anyone who's focused on that will have repeat customers at the end of the day, right? You'll Mm -hmm. be able to raise more money and you continue to satisfy them and you're going to be in this for the long run. And just to comment too on the size of the assets that you guys are buying, I always say follow where the opportunity is presenting itself. And if that's what you guys are getting and you've got this great relationship with the developer and these types of deals are is what's coming your way and what you guys kind of specialize in, nothing wrong with that, right? Like stay focused on that, stay focused on what you guys are good at and where the opportunity lies. So love all of that. All right, we're gonna transition into the Life and Money Show Spotlight where we're gonna ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So the first question is around your life and money. So what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design? Gosh, I mean, I think what I do for a living and raising money and educating people, talking to lots of people, that gives me such meaning, breaking people. I have an intern this year and she's 21 years old and I just love talking to her, showing her books that I've read that have really changed my viewpoint on money. I get a lot of satisfaction of that. My other things that give me meaning definitely are my son and my family. That's the biggest thing for me, biggest blessing in my life for sure. And I find that when you can start raising money that I work with a lot of charities and I kind of find that my niche is is helping them raise money for their different causes. And so that gives me a lot of satisfaction doing that. And I hope to be able to just be doing that a lot more than I have in the past too. Yeah, isn't that so fun? The fulfillment piece for me and I know for Annie as well is so much of why we do what we do and being able to get up every morning, put my two feet on the ground and know that I'm changing people's lives is something that has contributed to, I think, Annie and our desire to continue to do this just because it makes us feel fulfilled inside and success without that fulfillment piece, it really doesn't mean much. So I love all of that. And family, absolutely couldn't agree with you more. My family is my why and they give me all the meaning for everything that I do. So I love that. All right. Second question is around others' life and money. So what is one life or money hack that you might be able to share with the audience that'll make an impact in their lives right now? I think just for people to be really intentional about what their money is doing for them. I find to, I don't know, not sure if anyone likes to read books, but I just love the book, Killing Sacred Cows. And I tell everyone it's not trying to sell anyone on anything it all it is is going over a philosophy of how wealthy people think and I think that if you can look at the way that you look at money or why you look at money a certain way and what it's doing for you I just challenge people to be open to other possibilities 
Yeah, I love that. I don't know that I've read the whole book, but I definitely have read a part of that book. And when I first got into this more seriously, a lot of what we do is really shifting the mindset. And that's, in a lot of cases, the biggest hurdle to getting to where we are, are all at right now is really the mindset shift, right? It's mm-hmm. about moving away from the way that we're traditionally taught about how to go about building wealth and moving into a place that's unfamiliar and kind of scary. So it's super important to educate yourself and also find your tribe. I love that. All right. Last question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? (laughs) Oh, goodness. I mean, I'm very involved in my rotary and a lot of volunteer work that I do through my son's school. But for me personally, I think that I'm just trying to raise a really good kid. And I feel like that is a contribution to society for sure. And that's really my focus, as well as educating people on these financial hacks that the wealthy do. How fortunate that your son is growing up with this, all of this stuff that you've learned, all this philosophy on money, being mindful about where his money is going or how it's going to work for him growing up. Man, it's same with Julie's and my kids. We're starting them young and just teaching them this philosophy so that they don't grow up with the same baggage, for lack of a better word, that I grew up with, what my parents taught me about money. So what a wonderful head start you're giving him in life. Well, Stephanie, tell our listeners, I know that you've created a fantastic video series and you have a ton of resources on your website. So tell our listeners a little bit more about where they can go to learn more about all that you're doing. Oh, great. Well, my main website is uh, www.erbewealth.com. But within there, I've set up a series, a video series of commonly asked questions and that you can access by going to the website or going to www.askstephanienow.com. And again, uh, the content is so important because there's so much for people to learn. And I think these are the most common questions that I get from investors. Uh, So that is what I got. (laughs) For our listeners, we'll have those in the show notes. And I just want to add, that's such a valuable thing that you've put together because... Sometimes when you get into this space, you don't even know the questions to ask. So to be able to hear not only the answers, but the questions that other people are asking, that gives people such a big head start in all of this. Well, Stephanie Walter, CEO of Irby Wealth and a legacy cash flow specialist, capital raiser, syndicator, and real estate investor. Stephanie, thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us today. Well, thank you for having me. It was great. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 